Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, bro, it's Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot for the most controversial personality in pro wrestling, Vince Russo. Stevie Richards Fitness. Hey, don't you think it's time for a band new you? Head over to StevieRichardsFitness.com and join the SRF resistance today. ProWrestlingTees.com. Get the coolest merchandise from your favorite independent pro wrestling talent worldwide. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and support indie wrestling today. Yo, you should have killed me when you had the opportunity. It was the one thing I wasn't going to do for myself. And now I've got a couple under my back. What can you do to me? Nothing was planned, but it came together beautifully. And now it's too late for a warning. Should have listened to Boeing 808. You should have been throwing your late night tape. We found what we need regardless of if we won. And I clicked with them squares in the corner and we maximized the moment. Captains of our own ship, I won't capsize. Temple of ideas, I stand in my capsize. Makes me, I'm becoming more and more what I rap like. The king, the geek, a self-aware, self-righteous black guy. Since not. Trails I blaze, trails I blaze. Hiding came a ways away from Gator Bay. You see, I wear them now. Crocking my moccasins, I rock them till I wear them out. Cover my trail because my privacy is paramount. Trails I blaze, It is Tuesday, April 21st, and on today's episode of the Hot Tag WrestleCast, gain some true inside perspective involving recent WWE releases from OVW's own Dr. Man Beast. Hameen Media's ace journalist joins the show. Ronda Rousey is crowned the queen of the Marktards. But first, we honor an absolute legend. Today, the WWE family mourns the passing of the Dean of WWE Ring Announcing, Howard Finkel. In a career that spanned over five decades, Howard established himself as arguably the greatest ring announcer in WWE history. He was the signature voice that hearkened in the reign of champions. Hallmark sound stamped on some of the most memorable moments in WWE history. Only one of Shawn Michaels' feet hit the floor. And through it all, Howard was never afraid to have fun. This is the look that everybody wishes they could have. Howard was the ultimate impersonator. Always game to boogie on down. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen! And while bowling, tennis, and toupees may not have been his forte. What do you think? There's no question Howard's booming voice and signature style of formal wear as the only wear made him beloved to friends and family alike. Howard will forever be remembered as a stalwart announcer and a loyal friend to everyone in the WWE family. I've had so many wonderful moments, both in front of the camera and behind the scenes. It has been a marvelous time for me, the magical journey.
Welcome to the Hot Tag WrestleCast. I am the great American entrepreneur, the marketer, creator, pro wrestling commentator, ring announcer, philosopher, the art of the B to the V, Richard Bronson Vickery. And with me, the man that makes the show go. He's the production professional, the perfectionist making it happen at, well, making it happen at our gorilla position. He is Big Joe. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good, Rick. Uh, how has this week been for you? Just even just outside of professional wrestling, how, what, how are things going down there in the U.S. of A.? Well, you know, everything is continuing. We, we keep keep on rocking in the U.S.A. Everything, you know, worldwide here is still feeling the the the, ramif- the rolling ramifications of this pandemic. But uh, a little bit here in Ohio, we were ahead of the curve. We were very progressive, aggressive, and, and kind of taking those measures towards the lockdown and, and, you know, kind of making sure that everybody was just, you know, safe all around. So we've got that. We, we're eyeing the prize. We're kind of looking, hopefully, at the beginning of the of the finish on that home stretch. Uh, our governor has said that May 1st, we're going to enter phase one of, of opening back up society. Now, whatever the hell that means, I don't think that those in Columbus here in Ohio, I don't think they know. I don't think that our national government in Washington, D.C., I don't think they have a clue what these phases are now. So they're just throwing out those feel good, those buzz strategies. So at least we have that to look forward to. But but Big Joe, you know, it's inside of our pro wrestling bubble, a, a very dis- distraughtful week, saddening in so many ways when we, the list by the hour, it, it continues to grow of releases, furlongs, the end of tremendous relationships inside of WWE. Of course, you still have independent shows that the mid-majors all shut down across you know, all of the, the continent here of North America. So, so many of those tremendous promotions, the, the staffing, the talents, you know, they're still without work, without those paydays, without that opportunity to go out there and entertain. But perhaps out of all of this, the saddest bit of news coming out of this week, and truly, as we kick off the show there with, with a bit of a tribute to an absolute legend, uh, one of the golden voices of the squared circle, the passing of one Howard Finkel, the Fink. Yeah, absolutely, Rick. Alongside, you know, Mean Gene Okerlund and Jesse the Body Venture, um, Gorilla Monsoon. I mean, those are guys that, you know, when I first started watching professional wrestling in the year of 1986, going all the way back then, I mean, just he's one of those guys that's just synonymous with professional wrestling, not just WWF at the time, just professional wrestling. You know, when you thought of that, you know, he was one of those voices you thought of. I mean, just he, he announced all going all the way back to Madison Garden when they would lower the the, the mic all the way down from the ceiling to the ring to, to do the announcing. I mean, just uh, the, the man had a beautiful voice, and it's uh, a sad day that he's no longer with us. And I think, you, you know, Big Joe, you had mentioned some of those other tremendous voices that, that we've had throughout professional wrestling. And I really think, you know, when we put all those individuals together, they really they go outside of that bubble, just not professional wrestling. When we talk about commentary across the entire spectrum of sports and entertainment, you know, some of those grand moments that they were able to call and how distinctive in the personalities, the, just the true character and emotion and that raw energy that they all brought to each and every showcase that they were a part of, that it stepped over those boundaries. They, they, were, they became superstars inside of this superstar world. And that really rung home with so many individuals. And when we're talking about the Fink, you know, that position of ring announcer, it's so, it's so special inside of itself. It's more so instead of, you know, in the commentary or an interview, you're in those moments. But someone like, you know, 
the Fink. He was more of that in the center of the the center circle, the ringmaster of this incredible circus that is professional wrestling, and that's all. That spotlight is on him, and in so much of, and especially you know back then, and as you're looking at the the rock and roll era, the that that latest golden era of professional wrestling, it was more of that circus, that carny feel to it. So the importance behind the live events and driving repeat business and making sure that you're directing the audience towards the merchandise stand or towards the concession stand, all of that kind of falls onto that ring announcer. And for someone like think that he was a great pitch man and that selling point for them. So, so much went into that. And then you just think of all of those amazing moments uh, anytime th- those big match feels, those main events, if it was Hogan retaining and overcoming all those odds after hulking up or or when someone was able to to topple Hawk, you know, Hawkamania or, you know, I'm thinking about the warrior at WrestleMania six uh, or even in his own when Macho Man was able to take the championship yeah. at, at through the tournament at WrestleMania four. Those things were brought to us by by the Fink. Yeah, I mean, just he he sets that whole the, the that position, and uh, especially going back to when I first started watching wrestling, Rick. I mean, just it sets that whole tone for what uh, going forward. You know, and then the commentators kind of take that ball and run with it, and it just probably I think probably most recently, some of our listeners might uh, remember CM Punk actually had uh, him brought out to kind of announce him specifically for himself, and. Uh, you know, that's the most recent memory I can kind of think of uh, of Mr. Howard Finkel, but I mean, just all those big matches. I mean, he was there for all that, and uh, you know, a real gentleman of the business. And uh, yeah, he will definitely be missed. Uh, I was gonna, you know, when it comes to a position, if it be commentary, officiating, ring announcing, those are the, the extra spices that make pro mm-hmm. wrestling in that presentation. They make it so extra nice. Yeah. And, and Fink is an absolute legend. His magnificent vocals, I mean, they're synonymous with, with the modern golden age of professional wrestling and every and how many people kind of mirror what, how he, what he brought to the table and, and still his influence and what it means today inside that position, inside of professional wrestling. Every big match intro, every victory, uh, they would ring the, through the masses mm-hmm. in that unforgettable voice of the Fink. So with all of that, you know, thank you for the lifetime of dedication and commitment and entertainment and you know thoughts, prayers, positive vibes to to his family, to all of the fans and, and everybody kind of surrounding the situation. And most certainly, rest in peace, uh, but a legacy that will live on forever. Yes, absolutely. And I, I believe going alongside that too, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that he was. Uh, the longest tenured employee, so to speak, in the, the company that uh, I guess was WWF and now WWE. I mean, 1978-ish, I believe, that he started uh, with the WWF. And I believe up to his death, he was still uh, considered an employee of the company. So, I mean, I mean, he was just a mainstay for, for <laughs> my entire life of watching wrestling. Yeah, it, you know, it, it kind of transitioned as we... Looking forward to uh, some more upbeat conversation here on the, the Hot Tag WrestleCast. Uh, this past Saturday, I had a tremendous honor, an opportunity to sit in on a seminar involving another tremendous voice inside of professional wrestling. And that is one, Brent Terrier, or 
aka Timmy Baltimore from OVW fame, uh, who also went on to pretty much work as the right-hand man to Dusty Rhodes down in, in Florida Championship Wrestling. And he was such a tremendous, or Brent was such a tremendous mentor, you know, to the commentary staff down there. And it had taught many of those individuals today, you know, that we hear today on the airwaves, not any of the bad habits. Those are all, you know, those were forced <laughs> and dictated in towards, you know, by WWE and, and their teaching standards, but just that general presentation, how to feel comfortable in their own skin. And, and he took some time out of, out of his day, his weekend there. And he shared a lot of those words of wisdom with us. It's simply incredible. And of course, you know, going back to last week, we had Chris Silvio on, we were talking about his superstar seminars. That's what this was all about. Uh, so it all ties together there simply incredible uh the segment that we had last week with with, i don't know it's what do you like with the sound with that we've been kicking this thing around it's we're we're bringing in those those elite minds the brightest of the bright inside a business inside the business of pro wrestling Uh, what do you think joe here the best best for business doing business business of the business which one do you like for the segment I, I like the uh, the doing the business uh, probably the the best. And, and what's interesting is I mean, and how that the whole OVW thing has kind of evolved over time and how it's changed and how it's kind of morphed. Uh, that's what I've found really interesting. I mean, even going back to, I guess before the the ruthless aggressionary in WWE. I mean, that's where Cena, Brock, Batista, all those guys came out of OVW. There were some real monsters that came out of that company. Well, well, we, well, everybody's in luck because this week on Doing Business, we have got an absolute treat. Uh, it was a tremendous honor. I had the opportunity to sit down with the man himself, Dr. Man Beast, Ted McNailer. He was, he was there during the time, during that stretch where the partnership was in place between WWE, WWF, and OVW. They were the official feeder. That was the the development program the farm system at the time uh, but he was there when that partnership dissolved and, it, and it's much like what we're seeing in the landscape of professional wrestling right now 2020 with this these mass releases the, the company feeling this extreme pressure from everything going on and with the shutdowns in society here and the financial crunch that they're under very much the same vibe and mr mcnailer was there he's going to share a lot of what was happening behind the scenes what that meant for wwf what that meant for ovw what that meant for the talents themselves he's got some tremendous insight that somehow these contracts work and some very very deep and moving words of encouragement so let's go ahead here let's kick it on over to uh to my interview, my sit down with the man beast, Ted McNair. Should've listened to Boeing 808. You should've both thorn to late night tape. We found what we need regardless of if we won. And I clicked with them squares in the corner and we maximized the moment. Captains of our own ship. But this week we're joined by one of those once in an era individuals. Dynamic, creative, innovative. He's got one of those big picture minds. Uh, he's so ahead of the curve intellectually that between matches, he went out and earned his freaking doctorate in physical therapy. From Ohio Valley Wrestling, and is heard right here on the Hameen Media Platform, Mondays inside the locker room, he is Dr. Manbees, Ted McNailer. Thank you for joining us, sir. That was a heck of an introduction. I mean, I don't know where we go from there. I mean, I, I, I think I think that's it. I think that's as high as we're going to go, guys. 
Uh, no, in all seriousness, but it, it takes me back to, you know, they say, you know, and then the bell rings and then what happens. But uh, either way, I'm very uh, honored and privileged to be with you gentlemen this morning. Uh, looking forward to talking some shop. And uh, how are you all doing this morning? I guess is the other question to ask here. Well, you know, I, I guess that that big picture now going around the world of professional wrestling, a lot of shock and uncertainty as we have in going on really throughout society. Uh, so, you know, with with all of that and I know how busy you are, you know, trying to stay busy with everything going on during this lockdown, Mr. McNailer, I, again, thank you for joining us here. But the beast, you know, for those possibly a, a little unfamiliar with your impressive resume, I, I wanted to to talk a little McNailer 101. Uh, you debuted back in 2004, 2005. One of your earliest matches that I can recall was against a very recognizable name in Mikey Mondo. Uh, it, it's precious of all those early matches were for you. I wanted to dive a little bit even further back before all of that, get into the when, the where, the why. Can you tell us a little bit about your love for pro wrestling and about that transition from fanatic to star? Well, I always loved watching wrestling on, you know, mm -hmm. the old uh, Saturday morning wrestling. And I remember being enthralled with the larger than life characters. And so I get some grief from my wrestling brethren, but, you know, you can't deny his superstardom. But I was a huge fan of the Ultimate Warrior. He was my first big uh, uh, you know, wrestling hero. I really enjoyed him, and I was real actually a really big fan also of Jake the Snake Roberts, mostly because he he had the giant snake with him. But still, I, I was really enthralled and drawn towards those larger than life characters, and uh, you know, and and I I was really enthralled with the the old school, you know, over the top wrestling. And I, I will admit that uh, as I started to get closer to, um, you know. Being a a a, a teenager, you know, a, a age tenner, I I, I kind of uh, gravitated away from that to WCW. Once Hulk Hogan made the ship and I or I jumped ship, and I know a bunch of the other guys jumped ship. Uh, I started watching that, but then the Attitude Era hit, and uh, I started becoming thrilled. And it was very interesting. This is just a funny side story, and it goes to show every little thing you do in the ring does matter. Because I saw a run in on WCW by Lex Luger. And I saw him throw a punch. I saw a good foot of distance between said punch and the guy he was attempting to hit. And then the guy went down. And my thought as, as a, uh, I think at that time I was like 12 years old. I thought, okay, WCW must be fake. WWF must be real, you know, uh, logic, right? And so I, I became enthralled with the Attitude Era, and that, and it was around that time. Unfortunately, in my personal life, my my dad passed away, and it, if anything, it made me hold on to wrestling even tighter, and I, it made me feel okay. I want to be a part of this world someday. I need to be a part of this world someday. That that's what I was driven to do, uh, and so I decided. Uh, I looked up some things online in the early days of the internet back then. I saw Al Snow of all people had a wrestling school. It was in Lima, Ohio, and I was going to pack my bags and move. But then upon further research, I found, wait, there's a place here in my own city called Ohio Valley Wrestling. And they're actually associated with WWF at the time. And so uh, I immediately uh, sent him a message. I said, I'm ready to train. Let's start. And then I got a handwritten letter from Danny Davis. And it said, I'd love to have you, but you're not old enough. And so I had to wait till I was 18, uh, graduated. And literally the week after I graduated, I started my training at OVW uh, with my first trainer. Uh, and as you alluded to, also my first match was uh, Mike Mondo or, or Mikey from the Spirit Squad. Of course, back then he was just, you know, just getting his start just a couple years behind me also. But um, that's how I got my start at OVW. 
It's very interesting that you mentioned Al Snow's that that school way back then up right. in in, yeah. in Lima in Lima House right up the road from me. Uh, they're they're kind of still running as the promotion war wrestle and respect. It's still going strong. Uh, as you mentioned really? that rich history. Right now, you know they're greatly affected by this, but they regularly run and, and I've got some ties regularly interacting with some of their their great stars there. So kind of that tie all comes around full circle there. Uh, as you say, you know, you, you break into OVW there, not just a, an in-ring talent through all of that. I mean, you've worn many hats inside of the business here, Beast. Uh, you, you've worked, as we talked about that in-ring talent, you, you've worked in an on-air, those supporting roles. You, you've been a part of the creative process. You've worked in the office. Can you talk about the importance of all of those experiences and the overall perspective that's given you about professional wrestling? Well, certainly. Well, I, I was very driven, especially because, you know, I've never been the the biggest, most physical specimen. And I was told by a lot of these guys when I came in that, you know, uh, you know, don't expect to to do too much or, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, they'd say, OK, give, give this guy two months, give this guy three months. Now it's determined. Just no, I'm, I'm going to be around here. I don't care what it takes. So I, I tried to learn literally every aspect that I could as soon as they because I, I wasn't, you know, uh, allowed to wrestle right away uh, in part because I wasn't trained properly. And then that, I think, is a big lesson uh, that I wish, you know, other places would would attend to and giving people the time to, you know, get ready before they get into the ring and, and wrestle in front of an audience. Uh, but I was given the opportunity to referee early on. And so I learned that aspect. And then anytime they gave me an opportunity to learn something, I, I, I took to it. So, uh, you know, years years down the line when we started uh, DCW, which was just you know, basically the, at OVW, they had the contract guys on the main show. And so they started a secondary show for the non-contract guys, which I was one of. And so I, I took on every role I could. They, I was great, uh, very grateful. They allowed me and uh, Ben Hameen and uh, a couple other guys the opportunity to, to write and produce the show. And so uh, I, I did that. I commentated on the show. Um, and anytime I've got an opportunity to do something different, uh, I've always tried to do that. Even recently, over the last year, I've started to do ring announcing for OVW, which is something that I never uh, had done before. But it led to an opportunity to uh, be the ring announcer for Impact and their sacrifice event they just had about uh, at this time period, a month or so ago, uh, back when we were still doing live shows. And so I, I'm a big believer in that you always should try to continue to add value to yourself, no matter how it is. And any aspect or opportunity you have to learn in wrestling if you're involved in, in wrestling I, I think you know there's no reason why not to take it because uh anytime i've started a new thing in wrestling i i start off sucking and i think that's something people don't like to do they don't like to suck but you got to suck hard for a long time in order to get good and I, i've recognized that from an early age and so anytime i've had the opportunity to do something different or new uh, i just take to it and i just know I, I get through that sucking period for a while and you start getting better at it and then you've you've added a new skill to your arsenal that you can then use to uh, promote yourself and add value to other shows or companies that you're a part of well, you had mentioned there, just going back a couple months in January, the Nightmare Rumble, you were pulling double duty there, ring announcing, and then you inserted yourself into that match. I got to tell you, I had the opportunity. I was in the house. Absolutely incredible show and incredible atmosphere. I'm a sucker for any kind of battle royal gimmick. If it's the Rumble style, if it's the classic over the top, whatever you can do with it. I got to say, you know, that evening, I don't know if it was that live event experience. It was probably the best Rumble match I've ever seen put together. Uh, from the surprises, the the way the match flowed, I love the, the the little you know that extra little gimmick you throw in there with the double chance opportunity, and we seen yeah. the eventual winner 
you know, come from, you know, that avenue there. It, it Kudos to everyone down there. I mean, from the front of the house to just the in-ring, you know, spectacular that it is. OVW is hard to beat, uh, especially that vibe when you're there in the arena. Uh, with OVW, you come in at a very interesting time. There's a great deal of change happening within the company. Uh, Jim Cornette is he's kind of on his way out. Uh, soon after, we see the relationship with the WWE that begins to dissolve. You know, in many ways, this time period for for OVW, then it mirrors the current state of professional wrestling. Uh, you've got so many talents, and more so, you've got staff. They're experiencing all of these uncertainties. What was the mood back at OVW like uh, around this time, around the WWE's withdrawal? Yeah, so it's interesting you say that because the closest thing I could relate to what's going on right now in the world with so many uh, people losing opportunities all at once was was probably back then, especially because literally right before that happened, we actually had a visit uh, from Triple H and Shawn Michaels who were you know coming around, and uh, it was interesting. They were like taking pictures of uh, well, not them, but you know they had uh, people working for WWE taking pictures of the arena and everything, which you know we didn't think anything of, but you know they specifically told us you know OVW is not going anywhere. Uh, WWE and OVW are always going to be you know. Uh, have this great relationship and you know we're looking to you all for for the next generation of talent and then it was within literally the next month that uh, we got the news and most of us found out literally via uh, reading it online versus you know getting any kind of phone call uh, that WWE had severed their relationship with OVW and this it was just incredible feeling of loss you know just to you know feel like you know you're you're part of, you know, the machine. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, you get, uh, you get discarded as, uh, as we did. So it was, it was an interesting time. And, uh, I'll say, you know, although it was, you know, I, I, it was taken very negatively at the time. I, I have to say the next year or so is when I felt I, I really grew as a performer. And I think a lot of the other, uh, men and women that were there at the time also did because I think, you know, you have, again, the, the situation was not good, but I think in stressful and, and uh, uncertain times that a lot of times people take that opportunity to step up and, um, you know, try to absolutely make the most out of any opportunity they can. So I know I'd like to say, well, I wish it didn't happen at the same time. I, I felt I grew as a performer more in that next year than probably ever did at any point. Um, and we were fortunate at the time that, you know, again, it, the guys got, got severed along with it, decided to stick around OVW, namely uh, one of the guys that I felt I really learned from at the time was Joey Mercury. Um, and he was released from WWE, but he stuck around OVW for a uh, better part of the next year. And I felt like getting a chance to be on the road with him and doing a lot of shows and seeing how he uh, approached matches I, that I learned a lot and being around a lot of the other guys that stuck around. Rob Conway was around at the time as well. Uh, Amish Roadkill was also down there. Uh, he was also released. And so, you know, a few of those guys that were sticking around, you know, were helping at least care, run the ship at, at the time. And a lot of guys stepped up for the opportunity. And and that's part of the reason why I think OVW is still around today is because, you know, instead of allowing it to defeat us at the time, guys decided to step up and make the most out of the opportunities that were presented. What was it? Yeah, as we're talking about, you know, these stars that maybe had more of association with WWE still giving back to Ohio Valley Wrestling. Uh, you know, through the research, it seems that one uh, at, at JBL, Bradshaw, uh, he was very influential in, in helping you guys get going and helping development as he invested quite a bit inside of Derby City Wrestling, DCW, correct? So, well, it was actually uh, Viper Fight League, which was another alternative uh, um 
a company that Danny and JBL and JBL did pump some sponsorship money. So yes, that did help tremendously. Um, and then also Bruce Pritchard was a part of that Viper fight league where they attempted to do some mixed martial arts stuff at the Davis Arena. It was moderately successful. Um, but yeah, that did, that did give us another shot in the arm, at least from a financial standpoint that, that helped us out there. Yeah. And, and, and JBL did, like I said, you know, he offered the sponsorships with his, what was the, the, the mammoth Juana. <laughs> drink and his JBL energy drinks uh, that that lineup that he was coming out with at the time but you know it was nice to have those sponsorships because that did help us out too now, you've also at OVW you've had you've had partnerships as well with with impact wrestling with ring of honor and you know, like so many other partnerships they, they come and they go uh, I guess no pun intended can you talk about the how impactful those were for the company and those eventual breakups as well so yeah, and that and that was kind of cool. Like, and and I'll say that over the years, it's been neat to see. Like, you know, I started like you said with Jim Cornette, and then of course he had the incident with Santino and and came out. But then I got a chance to work with Paul Heyman for a while, uh, and then Al Snow, as Paul Heyman started to do more on the main roster, Al Snow kind of took over, and so I, that's where I started my initial relationship with Al. Uh, my you know, working with him just as a professional, uh, which, you know, continues to this day. And of course, after WWE pulled out, then uh, we got Jim Cornette eventually did come back in and uh, gave us that relationship with Ring of Honor. And it was that was really more of a loose relationship uh, in that, you know, occasionally they would use some of our guys for shows, which really it was, you know, getting some extra guys to help set up the ring and uh, get an opportunity, you know. Uh, but still, it was cool that, you know, he he helped to. Uh, foster that relationship for us and give guys opportunities um, is Jim Cornette. And, th and that was kind of like, there wasn't really a, a big moment where everything just kind of got chopped and severed. Uh, Jim just kind of started stepping out uh, uh, of, you know, his day-to-day -day responsibilities at OVW and that, that relationship with ring of honor, just, it, it kind of just fizzled. It didn't really, there wasn't really definitive, like this is the end of it. And then Al ended up coming back uh, and he was with Impact at the time, and that's when we started to have more of the developmental type relationship. We got guys to come in like uh, Rob Terry, Jesse Goddard, uh, Rockstar Spud, which you know I, my heart goes out to him as well as someone that was recently released, um, and a few other of the Impact guys. Sam Shaw, who's now Dexter Loomis in NXT, uh, he came in. Uh, I'm trying to think of you know a few of the other Impact guys that came around. A uh, Taryn Terrell. Uh, and, and a couple others, but so it was cool to get a chance to mix it up. And, and again, I got to form more, some more professional relationships with some really cool people that, you know, still continue to this day and uh, getting a chance to work within those, uh, um, with those guys at that time was really cool. Uh, and again, that's one that I, I felt like kind of fizzled out there really wasn't a defining moment. I think, uh, uh, you know, guys started to slowly, uh, you know, just, uh, move away. And I don't know if it was an issue of impact wasn't, you know, paying their guys a certain amount or whatnot. I don't want to get into rumors. Cause I really don't remember, but I know guys uh, over time either, you know, would, would eventually, uh, you know, stop coming to OVW and it kind of just fizzled out also. And it was around that time that I decided that I wanted uh, a better opportunity to fund my wrestling habit. And that's when I went, did go back to school and got my doctorate in, in physical therapy. Very, very nice. Well, I think it, it's so important that we talk about those those past experiences so that we can set the table for the conversation and really such a, a saddening situation that's currently unfolding, you know, just not inside of professional wrestling, but society as a whole. Uh, but of course, um, specifically talking about, you know, about these massive cuts uh, that are happening with inside WWE, uh, the list, it seems to grow by the hour. So I don't necessarily want to maybe, you know, single out individuals here, but talk about it more big picture. Uh, Mr. McNaylor, when, when this news broke, 
what were your initial thoughts? Uh, what were those emotions and the feelings that, that you were kind of taking in? Well, I, you know, I, I, I was, I'm still processing it to be honest with you, but I, I think the, my first, my first reaction was just, I, I felt bad. I felt sad for the people that had worked, you know, so long for their childhood dream to come true, to work for the WWE and, and have it ripped away, uh, especially in a situation that really wasn't under their control. And I can empathize in the sense that, you know, well, I haven't been under contract. I, I myself, you know, have, have been furloughed during this time. And I, I can only hope that as things kind of start getting back to quote unquote normal, uh, you know, that those a lot of those talents will end up, you know, being able to get their opportunities to get their job back or, you know, it, it, in a weird way, it, you know, and I don't want to, you know, say it's it, by any means, it's definitely not a, a good thing or positive thing. But the silver lining is a lot of times, you know, opportunities do arise uh, from things like this. And so, you know, you might see guys, you know, getting to go to the, maybe New Japan who wanted to go and never had the opportunity. Well, now, you know, once things get back to normal, they might get an opportunity to do that or work for AEW or Impact or anywhere else. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when these things happen, sometimes people take the opportunity to reinvent themselves and really break out. And so I'll be interested to see which of these talents uh, take the opportunity to do that. Um, because I think it will happen. It's just a matter of who on that list uh, of, of cuts is going to take that opportunity. I, and already there's a couple people that I, you know, I, I think, well, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but at the same time, I, I absolutely think there's going to be a handful of those guys that are going to take this opportunity and take this you know, negative situation and turn it into a positive one. And and that's the part that I think I'm excited to see, because just like I said, when WWE pulled out back in 2008, we all thought it was the end of the world. There's a lot of guys that stepped up and ended up making, um, you know, great opportunities after that time. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who does step up and, and who does take advantage of, um, you know, the opportunities to reinvent themselves, to grow and to eventually, you know, take their names back into the spotlight. Well, let's, let's go to the other side of the coin here. Let's put the suit and tie on. You've worked in the office. You've been invested with Ohio Valley. From the corporate perspective, what's the mindset? What's going on at HQ right now for WWE? I think it literally comes down to the numbers, and that's why you know I, I encourage anyone you know that that they get cut you know to not take it personally, and you can't help but do that. But you know when you look at someone like Mike Kyoto that's been around for decades and you realize that he probably was the highest paid referee they had at the time. And it's one of those things where I'm sure, you know, I, I could tell you, and you know, I, I don't know him, you know, that close, but I've been around him enough, you know, uh, you know, just get opportunities with WWE that know he's well-respected and liked in that locker room. And so for him to get released to me at seeing his name on there tells me clearly it was all finances. They were looking at their quarterly numbers, which just came out at the end of March and seeing, you know, the, down the economic downturn with everything going on and, and no, uh, you know, perfect timeline as far as when we're going to come out of, you know, the global pandemic here and, and get back to normal. So I think it was just literally they had to make a ton of cuts. And, and I think, you know, there probably was a lot of conversations of, you know, you know, who do we let go? Who do we keep? And I think literally it was, you know, looking at the numbers. OK, what are we paying? What are we doing? And so I, I did expect a lot of the NXT people to get cut. And actually, I'm surprised that you know, more haven't been been cut from NXT. And I hope, you know, they, they don't cut, you know, too many more uh, or it really anybody if they don't have to. But, you know, I figured that, you know, 
guys like producers, uh, which we did see a lot of producer cuts and a lot of backstage roles were, were going to get, uh, you know, let go at this time. So it's, it is unfortunate, but I can see it's, it's straight from the numbers. You know, the quarterly reports just came out. Uh, they had to make these cuts. So that way, by the time the next quarterly report comes out, it's at least not as bad as, as this past one. And, and, you know, and still might be given what's going on. But I think ultimately it just comes down to, to the budget and, and, and long-term future planning. You all, you set aside so much money for marketing and for uh, talent and whatnot, and and you keep it in a bucket. And so I, I assume that those buckets that they've set aside for for that are gone. They've drained up, and so now you got to make those cuts. And and you know, people I know were talking about how Vincent Mann took took money and and gave it to the Super PAC to to be considered an essential business. Uh, but I assume that money probably either came from an, another bucket or possibly even from their own personal pockets, uh, which, you know, when you're running a business, you, you try not to reach into your personal pockets if you don't have to. And I think that was just a decision that they had to make to keep the doors open. And if anything, uh, love, love, love it or hate that decision, that decision still allowed them to keep the people em- employed that are still employed right now. So whether or not you can argue it was the right decision or not, but they're still having people under contract that are still employed that otherwise may not have been employed if they weren't allowed to continue to run right now. Well, can you talk, is you're, you're talking about the, the different types of employment positions. And I think this is something that maybe a lot of fans out there that they don't really have a, a sound grasp on. Can you talk about the difference in those contracts between the in-ring talents, the, the trainers, the producers, and so on? Yeah, so it is interesting, and and I'll say from from knowing some of the people that have worked both as talent and as producers, it is it is differently set up. And I don't want to uh, don't quote me on on everything, but I do know that from just a basic standpoint, your your talent, so to speak, or or more of the independent contractors versus people that are staff or producers or agents or whatnot uh, or trainers down in NXT, uh, they they typically are placed under uh, you know your regular uh, you know employment contract like your W two type. Uh, Type work, and so they get the benefits, and uh, you know, I, I don't, I think they get vacation, but they basically get, they basically are set up more like an employee where they get benefits and and four hundred one k and things like that, and that's also why a lot of times, like you know, you have these great producers that are great talent, also, but oftentimes you won't see them wrestle. And I, I, I don't know, but I think in part of that is because, you know, at the end of the day, their their medical bills are being taken care of by by the company and not by themselves. And as an independent contractor, that's really all on you. Now, I do believe that it be still pays for like surgeries and, and rehab and, and things like that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, th- those guys still don't have, you know, they have to get their own personal health insurance versus, you know, someone that's otherwise a staff uh, as a trainer or producer or whatnot. They don't have to worry about that because they're taken care of by the company with those benefits. And I think that's also why you saw a lot of producers and, and trainers also getting cut is because you, you don't take into account how much money it costs to, to supply benefits for people. And so that's, I think, another big reason why a lot of the producers and trainers and staff also got cut along with it. And I think, you know, in this big picture, obviously, you know, so many people are focused in on the the names of those stars that we recognize that have given us so much enjoyment throughout the years of entertained the masses. Uh, but in this big picture, I mean, it looks like anywhere from 300 to 400 employees under that, that corporate banner of WWE, you know, are set to be furlonged or, you know, just, just released, laid off, whatever the case might be. Uh, a very saddening situation. It, kind of in closing here, what kind of words of encouragement to to those stars, to the employees of WWE, and more so 
you know, around indie wrestling, as we've seen shutdowns across this nation, coast to coast, and we don't know when we're going to see, you know, the mom pop shows returned for some normalcy. What kind of words of encouragement would, would you give everybody? So I would say that the opportunities that are presented in the world right now, there's really two ways that you can come out of it. You can come out ahead or you can come out behind. And there's ways you can quantify and qualify that. But basically what I'm getting at is you really can allow the situation going on right now to defeat you or you can do whatever the hell you can to try to come out on the other side. It's certainly normal and, and expected. And I, and I encourage you know those that are going through it to allow themselves to, to process uh, the emotions that they're having right now and allow, allow themselves in a weird way to grieve. I mean, this is a significant feeling of loss here. I mean, and, and uh, you know, as such, you know, I'd expect, you know, people to be, uh, you know, that are affected by it to be very, uh, you know, emotionally taken aback by it. But, you know, after those uh, feelings have, you know, been allowed to process, I would encourage people to, you know, keep putting themselves out there. There's more eyes on the internet than ever before. Take this opportunity to reinvent your character, to make connections with people maybe you haven't talked to in a while or new connections and new networking opportunities. So when, when things get back to normal, you're getting opportunities either back with WWE or with another big company, whether it be AEW or Impact or Ring of Honor or New Japan or what have you. Uh, and know that, you know, everything in life is cyclical. It all comes full circle. And, uh, you know, there's times when we can look back and things have been very bleak and, and down. And those are a lot of times when people rise from the ashes and take opportunities to reinvent themselves and create a new chapter in their career maybe they didn't even think was possible and achieve new heights they never thought it was possible. So know that it's not over. You can allow it to defeat you or you can rise from the ashes and you can make the most of it. And I, I like to believe, given the list of people and, and knowing a lot of the people that uh, unfortunately were released recently, that there's quite a few people on that list that I know for a fact can take this opportunity to uh, take this negative situation and become far better because of it. As much as that might seem strange, I absolutely 100% believe that they can. And I know, I've, I feel confident enough to say that I know some will absolutely do that. So as, as bleak as it may be, and for wrestling fans that love a lot of the people that were affected by this, just know that things are going to get better. Things are going to come around. And you may be surprised to see exactly who takes the situation to become uh, the next uh, uh well, really, the next the next level, the, create the next level uh, of their career, the next chapter, if you will, and, and create new stars that maybe we haven't really seen reach their full potential yet. And I think we're going to see a lot of these guys finally actually take this situation to reach their full potential. And from a wrestling fan standpoint, man, I can't wait to see them tear it up. I think it's going to be exciting when we finally get a chance to see these guys get back in the ring and get to go again. Very, very well said there, sir. Uh, well, Dr. Man Beast, Ted McNeller, thank you so much for being with us here on the Hot Tag WrestleCast. Uh, can you let the listeners know what exciting projects, you, what else you got going on? Well, sure. Uh, well, as I said, you know, I was recently furloughed myself. So, you know, and again, I, I could absolutely take it as a negative. Uh, and it, well, it is a negative. Let's let's just call a spade a spade. But I'm trying to take the opportunity to, well, one, I'm, I'm very honored and privileged to be part of the 
Hameen Media Group. So excited to be doing the Monday Locker Room, of course. Uh, I've been taking the opportunity to do some Zoom calls with uh, some of my uh, former OVW brethren. Uh, so hopefully I'll have a chance to uh, get some interviews in with uh, some people that uh, fans want to see and some of your listeners would like to see. In fact, if anyone has any one particular from the old OVW days they'd like me to chat with, uh, I, I'm still in contact with a lot of these guys. So just let me know. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Ted the Man Beast. Of course, on Facebook at Ted McNaylor, uh, and I'll hopefully be having uh, my own personal Twitch page I'm going to be putting together over the weekend. And so, uh, you know, continue to follow me on, on any of these social media platforms. And, uh, you know, I'm excited that, uh, you know, although, again, it's not a great situation, I'm excited to take advantage of the opportunities right now and hopefully produce some great content that's going to be entertaining and fun for your uh, listeners and viewers to, to watch. So I'm, I'm just excited to be a part of uh, the team here and uh, looking forward to the projects that I'm going to have coming down the pipeline. So stay tuned and uh, we'll see. We'll, how it ha- we'll see what happens. <laughs> Thank you again, sir. We'll be right back with uh, more of the Hot Tag WrestleCast after a big word from Big Ray and Broaster's Coffee. Yeah. Bro, if you're a real coffee lover, then you've got to try Broaster's limited edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Available right now at www.thebroasters.com. This limited edition coffee is fresh roasted weekly and shipped directly to your door. You will love the Nicaraguan blend with roasted chocolatey notes when you smell it. Get your Vince Russo Bro Coffee today at thebroasters.com and follow them at Coffee Broasters today on Twitter. Enjoy the best coffee today, bro. From Broasters, Vince Russo Brand, and Hameen Media Group. Well, Big Joe, I, as I said there in the lead-in, an incredible sit-down, an honor to, to get some of that insight from somebody who's truly seen it all and is regarded as one of the brightest minds to be involved with to come out of Ohio Valley Wrestling. The, the doctor, the mad beast, Ted McNailer. So much tremendous insight there. And, and you kind of, when you, when you get that inside perspective and everything that, you know, from our position, as close as, as we are to professional wrestling and the situations that kind of unfold with inside of the business, you know, to actually have someone that, that's truly been there who has lived it, that experience, and can share that insight, it, it really makes you, it's just as an individual in our position, really open your eyes and take that new perspective. As we regularly say, you know, here on the Hot Tag WrestleCast, you know, you take that 360 walk. Yeah. And it, it truly, you, you feel, it, it runs a little bit deeper. And not just for those inside of professional wrestling, but society as a whole right now. And we're seeing this in an age, an era where we are so connected, more connected globally than we've ever been in the existence of mankind. I mean, hell, like 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, a friendship like ours would be damn near impossible. Pretty much. And, and now, in, in this profession, in this podcast game that we're a part of, I mean, it's just not that, that you and I, from from Canada to America, are, are sitting here together putting together this program. I mean, we also work on other platforms. We have other programming that we're a part of. And there are individuals, if it's across the you know your country, if it's across these great states of mine, if it's connecting with somebody over in the UK, conducting an interview with a superstar from Australia. All of that is possible now. And we are, we're together now. We, we are connected more 
as one now. And you feel that. You feel those energies. You feel those sadnesses. And this is across society, just not professional wrestling, that people are hurting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people you know, wondering about how long this will last. How long are their financials going to remain stable, that they can take care of you know, bills, of feeding the family, putting a roof over? All of that is a, is a tremendous concern. But what really speaks to me there is the encouragement the words of advice that you have, that you, you have to persevere. You keep your nose to that grindstone and you keep moving forward. And that's what we all kind of have to take to heart and heed forward with is that motivation that we know things are going to be, you know, they're going to get better. It might not be the same as the same life, the, the styles, the social gatherings that we that we knew from six months ago, a year ago, whatever it might be. It, it's going to evolve. It's going to change. We have to adapt with that. One of the greatest pieces of advice I was ever given is to stay liquid. And that means that you can adapt and move in any situation. And, and if you're prepared for all that, we're going to come out stronger on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's something that's always been a motto of mine as well. I mean, I've had to uproot and I've had to change jobs several times in my life. So you just, you learn to become adaptable and, and this past week too. I mean, one person that really said it very well, if you had a chance to, uh, so here, Rick, but if our listeners as well, if you can go check it out, uh, Stevie Richards posted a video on what these outgoing talents, which we're just going to get into here, you know, what you can do, um, after this, I mean, there, there can be a life after wrestling and, and just even outside of wrestling, if you're somebody who has lost their job recently, you know, don't, um, trying to, I want to say not, don't stress over it might be the best thing, but you know, don't get too depressed. You know, once, you know, this is all kind of gone past, you know, there, there will be a chance to, to find something else. So try and stay on the up and up as, as much as possible. I know it's difficult right now. We're all uh, isolated for the the most part, a lot of us, but just um, try and remain optimistic. Uh, there will be some brighter days coming soon. But having said that, Rick, our next topic here has been labeled Black Wednesday. And we saw numerous, numerous WWE talent and producers slash employees let go from the company. Um, this was a pretty big deal in social media. Um, go over this. This was um, this was a pretty rough day in the world of professional wrestling, especially WWE. Yeah, it's you, you take everything that that we heard there from Man Beast. You know, and this is an opportunity for them. This is part of the business, and for the from a talent's perspective, and what they have to look at going forward here is to keep their chin up, keep pushing forward. Now, and rightfully so, you know, so many people their hearts go out for these individuals. You know, where are they get that next check? They, they've lost the dream. They've lost this opportunity. But I feel like, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't look at the other side of the coin here and we take the perspective from the company, from WWE. This isn't just, you know, billionaires sitting at the top of the mountain and, you know, continuing to, to smoke their fat cigars and they don't care about the peasants and all that. I mean, for them to make a move like this, they are feeling a true pressure. And, as Man Beast spoke to, you've got you've got so many buckets that you're pulling from that are, are supporting this company here. And as we start looking around, some of those major ones, the ones that they are heavily depending on, they're not so full right now. And there's not much more that they can take from those. Yeah. I mean, they're, you're seeing the WWE do everything they possibly can right now to continue pushing with with new and original content for their television mm-hmm. partnerships. And 
as I've stated, you know, if it be here at the Hot Tag WrestleCast, if it be Mondays in the locker room, this isn't about greed or trying to defy regulations or defy what is being suggested that the, the guidelines for the rest of society, this is, this is a necessity. This is a survival mode. They need to make sure that they do not give any opportunity for these networks to go ahead and find a loophole to get out of these contracts yeah. or somehow to go in there where you can see a bump down in the value and decrease of what that financially means to the WWE. They're used, they're trying to stay above water right here. And that sorts that bucket, that is, that's the main support. That's the main source of income coming in right now. Yeah. You, you look at the other ones there, WrestleMania, they got through that. They pulled that off for us. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's not overflowing like it usually is. No, it's not there. Then you've also got the Saudi bucket. Well, hell, just what's going on in society tells you they're not going to be traveling over there anytime soon. No. Outside of the other issues we have going on, I mean, you've had the network pulled from Saudi, which uh, is a great indicator that something's not all. Uh, yeah. The honeymoon period might be over there, and everything's so smooth and in, in la la land for them. We don't know when they're going to be able to get back for those shows. I mean, there are so much questions surrounding, you know, that that Saudi source for them. They're really looking at right now of how they can keep things going on. And as harsh as it sounds at times, I mean, sometimes you have you, you cut some of those financials to s- secure other avenues for yourself. And inside of big business, what you're seeing here too is the trickle effect of this and making some of these tough moves and you're seeing these cuts where they are saving, which is going to secure more, you know, financials for them. The stock is continuing to rise, which is something that they need to, it needs a positive spotlight on it. As with here in a couple of days, we have quarterlies released. What are they going to be able to go to those stockholders with to reassure them who that is their ultimate commitment. It's not, and it's not to say that they're that those others are not these others are not important. But when you talk about staff and you talk about talent and you talk about fans that are putting their asses in those seats, those are all very important to the company and to a, a, any corporate structure. But ultimately, they are preparing to answer to the stockholders. And I can speak on behalf of one of those stockholders because I am a stockholder. Right. And when it comes to, you know, to really diving into everything that's happening within the corporate structure of WWE right now and all the news that is news that, that's hitting the sheets. And as we prepare for these quarterlies, like, we have the perfect, the perfect insider to come on with us right now. Let's welcome in one. How many media groups he scoops for the HMG, Mr. William Alicia. Will, how you doing, sir? Thanks for joining us. Doing well, thank you. Uh, you know, trying to uh, live live each day and uh, trying to practice this social distancing this is quite a quite a time we we're all living in um i just hope everybody's doing well and uh you know just just keep trucking until we uh we get past this but that will you know you and i go way back and as i'm sitting here i was just kind of going through some of the memorabilia i have remembering the great times at starcast so i feel a little bad here 
as we introduce you in, I, I don't think I did you proper, man. So, uh, so if you don't mind, I'll, I'll give you that, that good one, the same enthusiasm that we give everybody here at the Hot Tag WrestleCast. So, ladies and gentlemen, our guest at this time, we're taking it to the sheets with the man that cannot be beat. He gets you every scoop that there is to be. All you got to do is follow him over on Hameen. Hell, he's in, he's in such need, in such demand. He's in a handful of the other sheets. They are lining up looking for his expertise. Pro Wrestling Fanatics. When you need the scoop, he's where you go. Mr. William Alicia. There, there we go. My, my, my apologies there, but hey, it is a, a tremendous honor to have you on with us. Damn near out of the gate here, our second episode. And, and you're the man that we, believe me, that we had to go to. You, you're the one with your finger on the pulse here. Everything that's happening around the world of professional wrestling, it, it, the center of that universe is WWE. And unfortunately, we're not talking about money in the bank. We're not talking about WrestleMania fallout. We're talking about massive layoffs, furlongs, releases, uh, all kind of in the wake of the, this, co- this COVID pandemic. Uh, Will, it seems by the hour, day to day, this list of talents, uh, well-known names of the producers, in-ring coaches, that continues to grow. I think a, a bigger picture here before we jump into some of the exacts with the superstars that we're so familiar with company. This is company wide, correct? That is correct. Yep. That is correct. We're talking uh, Titan tower employees. We're talking the independent contractors, you know, producers, uh, you know, so on and so forth. We're talking all across the board here at, uh, at WWE. Can these, do you have maybe an estimate at number? I know, you know, Obviously, the attention, the spotlight is on those that have entertained us for so many years. Uh, that seems to be somewhere in the 30s, mid 30s, maybe pushing 40 right now, uh, just for those talents and producers. Do you have a number company wide? I mean, when we're talking about, you know, the people that are that are moving the equipment, the stage crews, uh, the marketing department, the graphics, all of that together. What, what are we looking at company wide? So. So first, let me just say this. As of last year's uh, SEC filings, just based off of that, WWE had a total of 915 employees that worked at Titan Towers. 915. That's aside from all the uh, independent contractors, producers, things of that nature, everyone who helps out uh, on the road, at the show, so on and so forth. It was an estimated up to about anywhere between 30 to 40% of all employees that were, you know, either furloughed, laid off, whatever. Um, if you're talking close to a thousand employees, you're, you're, you know, do the math, you know, you're, if you're, if you're up to 40%, you're talking about up to 400 employees in total. Um, aside from that, in terms of what we learned this week with, you know, 30 plus, it was about 32 that was originally announced on that Wednesday. That, I guess what they call bloody Wednesday, black Wednesday, whatever the case may be. It's actually up to 52 uh, because there were some, um, you know, NXT layoffs, you know, uh, that were, you know, put into that as well. And we had mentioned at the Humming Media Group that uh, there were more to come and, and, and it, it, it didn't stop. It didn't stop after Wednesday. So, even uh, Aiden English, you know, the former Aiden English, he went on his Instagram 
and he mentioned the hundreds and hundreds, as, as quoted, he mentioned the hundreds of employees that actually worked at Titan Towers who either got furloughed or, or got laid off. Um, but my understanding is you're talking anywhere between anywhere between two, gosh, two to two to five hundred employees all in total. So it's it's really bad out there. Um, it's really bad of, of everything that's happening in WWE. You're talking an incredibly saddening situation, especially, you know, inside that bubble of professional wrestling, but really throughout society. I know we all have people in our lives uh, that we interact with, if it be through professional wrestling, through podcasting, whatever walk of life that might be, people that are deeply affected by this. When it comes to with WWE and, and their rationalizing behind this, uh, obviously, it's, it's easy to look at in on that surface. We can look at some of these talents. And it's easy to judge, okay, these people seemed very essential towards, like, the live event operations. Uh, we haven't seen so many of them used on television lately, involved in maybe, you know, major storylines, developments. Is, is that the rhyme and reason? Is WWE or, I've, you know, with you kind of getting in the ear of some of the individuals, what is the strategy behind some of these releases? Is it just dollar amounts? Is it markability production I Give think, any leads that way well that's a good question and i think we're going to find out a lot more this thursday as this thursday at five o'clock eastern um they're going to be announcing their their quarterly earnings call um which is odd in itself because it's usually at 11 a.m in the morning every uh, on a thursday every every quarter uh, so this one's later in the afternoon but um my understanding is it's it, it, it goes down to, to to simply you know Unfortunately, it comes down to business, you know. You know, at the top of the year, we, we, we all heard about the expansion that was happening, you know. As of last year, a couple of years ago, they went to NXT UK. You have the, you know, the global globalization strategy from Triple H. Uh, we've heard the rumblings about NXT Japan um, coming to fruition, possibly. That was originally supposed to happen maybe somewhere down, the, you know, during the summer months. That's not happening anymore. Um, there were even some rumblings of, uh, of them going down to, uh, to Latin America, Mexico in specific. And there was a, a crazy rumor there about, um, some, some purchase happening between them and a very uh, prestigious organization down there. Um, but none of that is happening. Um, this whole COVID-19 thing has just, uh, is just done with, er with, with everybody. You know, it's it's across the board. Uh, you know, my own personally speaking, my own company, they're making cuts. They're making, you know, they're doing a lot of furloughs and things of that nature. My own my own partner at my job uh, is a, a sales guy. You know, the uh, business development manager, and he also got furloughed. You know, so basically, for those that don't know, a furlough basically means that, you know, you're 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 kind of working for the company. You're not. You're you're basically collecting their benefits if, if 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 you have their the company benefits you still collect on that you're, you're not collecting a salary but you know you can collect unemployment up until uh you know they deem it they deem otherwise and then um if everything goes well then you get hired back and so on let's and so say forth. It's, a, it's essentially a hold on your your weekly or whatever pay period paycheck with the intent to eventually bring you back in that full capacity uh you know the intent if everything does return the business is the way it was and, and that is you know something of great concern as you know there is so much doubt in when we are going to be able to return to these arenas we are going to get these mass gatherings and that's you know and also that's on a state by state 
And it, WWE, you know, without having that offseason, it's every week. They are in different cities, different states, countries, constantly traveling. And we had Ted McNaylor from OVW on earlier in the show. And he's, he really spoke about the, the little buckets of revenue that they dip their hands into to, to you know, make sure that things are going forward. And I've, you've had the company come out previously to this and talk about how it was, it was like $500 million that they had to fall back on. So they were kind of bragging about that. And then within just seemingly days, they turn around and we see these releases. But when we look at those buckets of revenue for them, where they're dipping into to really keep driving this company, the three major ones that are really bringing up tremendous question here uh one is with the television deals that's why they are so adamant about pressing forward and making sure that they live up to every one of their commitments inside of those contracts especially with fox you have wrestlemania which you know thank them for going forward they gave us that release that form of entertainment but they lost tremendous financials there they took a massive blow to the bank account and then the Saudi bucket uh, obviously they're not going to be traveling there anytime soon the network has been cut off there there's already rumblings uh, you know there's trouble in paradise the relationships on you know rocky road right now uh there has to be a great deal of panic and it's sitting at you know driving the ship there vince mcmahon you hope that he doesn't get kind of it doesn't come out into some kind of laundering scam or manipulation of stock but, you know, what's happening there with his own personal finances, with everything with the XFL, just doesn't look so great for the WWE at this time. You, you got to believe all of these cuts in sort of, I don't want to say a panic mode, but in that direction, as we are getting ready to go to these quarterlies, you know, that's going to let them say, you know, that's going, they're going to be able to salvage some of that loss by accounting for, we no longer have to pay these, these contracts, these salaries out. You are seeing that reflected inside of the stock. Uh, we're early in the week right now, but over you know the course late last week, the beginning of this week, the stock is rising. It's up anywhere from two to three and a half percent. That's right. That's right. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you make a great point. I mean, you know, the three you know major sources of of, of revenue streams are the the Fox deal, the USA deal, the Saudi deal. Um, you know. Due to everything that's happening, we don't know what's going to happen with Saudi Arabia. You're, I mean, you're talking on a 10-year deal worth—I don't remember the figure. They want to say it was a half of a billion dollars or something like that. I mean, you're talking 50 to, you know, anywhere from 50 to 75 million dollars, you know, per show that gets awarded to them. I mean, that's 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 probably their 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 biggest contract. That's one of their biggest deals that that they've made. Um, over the years, that was an exclusive. Uh, the executives have this thing where they're responsible for certain deals. You know, Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon, for instance, has deals with the uh, some of the distribution deals with, like, um, let's say India. You know, perchance the uh, the MENA deal that uh, we've all heard about. Um, Triple H with some of the deals that he that he's he's had as an executive. Um, the last major deal that Vince McMahon himself uh, wound up executing was the Saudi Arabia deal, um, which business-wise, it, it's a fantastic deal. I mean, aside from everything else, aside from from all the from all the news that we've heard, you know, it's not good working with them, so on and so forth. And we're talking a massive deal, and uh, when you couple that over with those 
you know, TV deals, of course they don't want to, you know, continue to lose. I mean, they're losing and they're losing and they're losing. I mean, you have to think about their merchandise revenues going down because they're not at the house shows anymore. They're not running many house shows to begin with, and now they're not running any house shows. Uh, so, you know, they have to live on, you know, what, what they, they currently have. Um, well, no, you know, going, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry there, William, I'm to cut you off. No, no, please go on. Oh, well, I was going to say, I, I know Big Joe, he's got some questions for you about potential landing places, but I, I wanted to, you know, real quick, just stay on this topic of these financials. Uh, some of the points you were making there, perfect lead-ins to some of the questions I had for you, is we're talking about, you know, the loss of those live events and the importance now of making sure that you produce that original content for television and how aggressive they have been in that nature. Uh, I think a lot of the fans out there were, were surprised and taken aback. And now they, as in typical fashion, they go on the attack that, that Florida has deemed the WWE an essential operation. Uh, so those employees are essential employees. They are allowed to continue under, uh, you know, the, the local ruling and the Florida regulations that are put in place there. It's. I know a lot of people think this is kind of funny in ways that this comes in the wake of the super pact that, you know, that Vince McMahon is a part of. And he's also named a part of this committee that's, that's going to help reopen society and get our economy kind of cranking again down the track. Any inside scoops? I mean, to me, a lot of people are missing a bigger picture here. But what do you what do you get in the feeling is maybe internally, maybe from co- the corporate side or more so from the talent perspective? Here's the thing, you know, there, you, when you when you when you say talent, you know, you've got it sometimes, you know, I, I kind of feel sorry because there's a lot of times when, you know, you hear a lot of these reports and sources are from talent here, talent here, say this, say that. You know, the reality is the talent are the last to know about some of these major dealings. I mean, there's no one that can tell me that come Wednesday, when anybody woke up that morning, they knew that these layoffs were going to happen. And they got a phone call. It was a, I believe a video conference call, or I, I don't remember. It was a conference call of sorts. And, you know, the cuts, you know, wound up happening. You know, it was basically text messages. Text messages. I mean, you're talking... Getting a text message <laughs> on your tail essentially saying, hey, you know, uh, you're no longer work with the company or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, but, you know, going back to uh, this whole well, thing with the I, super I, have, I mean, is that I, I know that sounds harsh, but the reality of, of the world that we live in in 2020, I mean, what what other avenue is there? I mean, you're essentially you're coming out out of the gate and you're cutting you know, that first wave of 20 to 25, I mean, to make individual phone calls, if I, you know, if just so happens the first number I dial is EC3, word is going, I mean, you know, telephone, telegraph, telewrestler, that's going to spread through that company and maybe cause more dismay in all this speculation and outrage instead of just going across and wiping the slate, you know, just one, I mean, it, it sounds harsh. But if you take into account the world that we live in and how we communicate and how like a you know, wildfire can spread, maybe to their credit, this was the best avenue. 
it, it certainly was. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's the most efficient way to go about it. Um, it, it when I, when I say that this is, when I say that this is what happened, um, it, it, if you're, if you're someone else, you know, that perception, you know, that first impression might be, wow, that that's messed up. I mean, is this really how they went about it? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the way we communicate nowadays, you know, it used to be just, uh, you know, one-on-one phone calls. Now you can do text messaging. You can do that. These are things that get documented at the end of the day. Um, and that's, that's a way of how to, how to go about it in a, in a very, very seamless way, if anything. Um, I mentioned a little earlier, you know, my work itself, it's the same thing at my work. You know, I, I work for the fifth largest staffing firm in, in, in the country. And, um, they laid off a massive amount of people as well. I mean, just for, for just for instance, one particular site, one particular client site had, uh, I want to say, 700 employees, and um, they received uh, automated phone calls and text messages and emails all at once, massive communication. So when you think about it, you know, to your point, it it is the most efficient way of going by it. Um, you know, as far as this whole thing with Super PAC and, and, and what's happening, uh you're going to hear, you know, various different stories as to, you know, why this is all happening. Look, I mean, the impression, the first impression I got it was, okay, well, um, it's Florida. Uh, they have a great and long extensive, you know, partnership with them. Uh, when you hear about them giving, you know, committing $18.5 million to the Republican campaign in Florida, um, and Linda McMahon is the head of this uh, super PAC committee, you know, political action committee that's, you know, looking to uh, support Trump in the re-elections. I mean, you, you just got to put two and two together. Uh, we heard the Santos's, the governor of Florida's, you know, comments about why he decided to do it. Um, and not a lot of substance there, you know. Um, if you just put two and two together, you, you, you pretty much know what it is, but... I also think that in, in, in the bigger picture, this affected, um, this is a good thing, I think, you know, you're, you're talking not just WWE as an essential business, you're talking AEW, you're talking the UFC, you're even talking um, the WBC, you know, uh, I believe Bob Abram, the head of, of, of boxing is looking to, uh, there were some comments he made recently regarding uh, you know, talking with Vince McMahon about the possibility of using the WWE Performance Center for some boxing events. Oh, I very mean, interesting. Absolutely. So, yes. you know, when you think about it in the grander scheme of things, you know, it's this crazy stories that are coming out of Florida. I mean, they've, they've opened up their beaches. Um, today, I believe Sundays is a day that they can't use the beaches, but they've opened up their beaches. Uh, there was some uh, news that I, I, I had posted yesterday in the Hameen Media Discussion Group uh, from, from Business Insider regarding the the, uh, the most richest zip code in the United States, which happens to be out of the Miami-Dade County area of Florida, where they bought $30,000 worth of these like the advanced coronavirus test kits, which are basically a, uh, a blood sample, you know, just a prick of the finger, and you'll find out whether or not, you know, you're tested positive or tested negative. Um, I don't know. You know, it's uh, it, it, it's kind of kind of puzzling what's happening on there. But at the end of the day, um, if it means us as wrestling fans, we're going to get some new original content from WWE, um, and they're the only you know game in town you know, with AEW, and and then there's some new content coming out on a weekly basis. 
I mean, for us, I say it's a victory for us, but, um, you know, in the grander scheme of things, you know, if you're talking to a casual viewer or just someone who's just looking at the overall news, they would see these decisions, you know, in Florida as, as honestly, a, as a laughing stock, you know, because well, no one else. I, I like it. how you throw in there. I like how you throw in there that bigger picture where we're talking about the potential of UFC or boxing associations. I mean, I know, I know you outside of professional wrestling, you love baseball. Yeah, where, where is your team? Hold their spring trainings along with half of the rest of Major League Baseball. What you're seeing in Florida. Now, in Florida, they are opening this up. They, you know, if this thing continues, I mean, we've heard out on the West Coast, the mayor of LA is saying, Oh, I, you know, I really don't want to welcome these live events, concerts, and sporting events for at least another year. We're talking well into the beginning of the summer of 2021. Florida, on the other hand, is saying, Bring it on. We will become the sports hub of all professional sports. You know, they, they want to welcome that. What it's going to do for their economy, I know people want to laugh. Say, professional wrestling, essential? Well, no, what they're doing, the way that's written is it's sports, it's entertainment with major television out, broadcasting outlets. That's what this thing is written for. Hey, Major League Baseball, bring it on. NBA, you need somewhere to bring the teams down, the playoff teams down with a bunch of courts that's, you know, at your disposal. Hell, we got Disney's World of Sports here. They got tons of basketball courts you could go in there and run the whole playoffs at without the audience there, but as long as you're getting that product out here, I think when you look at that big picture, you go a little deeper. This is a genius move uh, by Florida inside of itself. But, you know, I know outside of all the business, you know, what people love talking about, and Joe's, I can see him over there on the camera, man. He's salivating. He's ready to sink his teeth into this big old juicy steak that is William Alicia here. He's got some questions about, you know, some of, the, some of these talents in potential destinations, landing spots. Joe, it's this opportunity. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, as soon as this dropped, I mean, of course, the internet is just a flame of, of course, anybody who's been like, oh, is going to go to AEW. Of course, uh, that's what every wrestling fan, every Mark Tart is, uh, is saying. Um, are there anybody, are there any talents of this group that, that could legitimately be where they go? Well, I mean, if, if, you, if you look down, you know, the line, you're, 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 you're going from, let's see, we have Drake Maverick, Kurt Hawkins, you know, all the way down to um, some other names here. Uh, let's see, Ace Steel, Kendo Kashin, like even Mike Kyoto. Two and two makes, makes a little sense. If you're, if you're talking, you know, I believe uh, Matt Cardona, you know, the former, the former Zack Ryder. I mean, you've got to look at the relationship that he's had with Cody Rhodes. I mean, they've yeah. had a relationship for, I believe, 20-some years. I, I could easily see that happening. I mean, we have heard rumblings of, of him going to AEW. We've heard rumblings, and we've actually had some teases from, I believe it was Carl Anderson on his Twitter yeah. uh, account uh, very recently about, you know, going by Machine Gun Carl Anderson once again, which would, you know, hint something of him going to NJPW, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um if any of this happens, it, I don't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, obviously, you're talking after July. I believe it's uh, July 15th is the the last day for all these 90-day uh, non-competes. You know, which is a which which goes back to another thing. You know, despite a lot of this happening back on Wednesday, uh, you're talking. You know, their minimum down their, their downside guarantee still being paid out. I believe on a weekly basis, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. These are some major contracts. You know. Um, you know, you're, if you're talking uh, 
Gallows and Anderson, $750,000, I believe, was the, uh, the the downside guarantee for their mm-hmm. contract. Can you, I, I don't even know the math at the top of my head, but if you do that on a weekly basis, I mean, really, are, are you are you really, you know, suffering or anything like that? Probably not. Um, yeah. But you're talking 90 days. Uh, Kurt Angle, uh, he could be a, a great producer. Maybe if he was in, Absolutely. you know, if we had the Kurt Angle of old, you know, if, if, if you could see him anywhere. Uh, Eric I think Bowen. that's I think that's an interesting point that you mentioned there, Will, is the producers mm-hmm. and what they could bring. You know, all of I mean, the history, the knowledge from the, that list of producers. I mean, immediately off the top of my head, like um, Serena Deeb or or Lance Storm. Yeah, I mean, you especially with somebody like Deeb with a women's division like AEW's that is in such dismay. I mean, they, they need a serious upgrade. You can go out and bring uh, the lady, the drive, the force behind the NXT women's division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a couple. You know, you had Sarah Stock, who used to go under the name Sarita. She was a, a very good luchadora um, down in Mexico for, for, for many years, I believe, with uh, CMLL, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but when I see names like that, like Serena Deeb, I could see her for AEW as, you know, what Gail Kim brings to the knockout division in, at Impact Wrestling. Sure. You know, a, a major, major, major influence. Uh, Sarah Stock herself, um, because she could teach that, that, that lucha. You know, she could teach that lucha style. She could teach, you know, different styles and things of that nature. Lance Storm is like an encyclopedia when it comes to wrestling itself. And we're talking about a, a gentleman who, you know, he just he just closed his doors to Storm Wrestling Academy. Which Canadian too, by the way. Something, yeah. There you go. You know, um, the things that he could do for 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 you know maybe AEW. I mean, they, yeah. it's you know you talk about the average age of you know in in, in the late twenties. You know, in AEW, so uh, you've got a lot of a lot of things that could happen there. Uh, when you think about you know some names like Primo, Epico, you're probably going to see them back in Puerto Rico, WWC. Yeah. You know, where their father uh, Carlos Colon. Um, you know, ran that. The one big uh, name that, uh, the one, before you continue down the list, uh, the, the one that, you know, even before we started recording this week's episode of talking to Rick, and I, I said, you know, the most surprising one to me wasn't like producer, wasn't in ring talent for me. The one that was uh, surprisingly shocking, and probably to everybody listening to be surprised that this is the one that I'm picking, is uh, you had mentioned him, uh, uh, Will. Uh, Chioda, the referee, I mean, with the company since 1989, Survivor Series. I mean, other than Howard Finkel, I mean, this guy's been with the company forever. Absolutely. You know, Mike Chioda, 30 years with this company. Yeah. I mean, three decades. And, you know, when I heard that name, it, it kind of hurt, you know. I'm like, wow, this is, uh, you know, this one kind of stings. I mean, you're, you're talking all that, all those, you know, revisions of, of the product itself from ruthless, ruthless aggression yeah, to the uh, Attitude Era, you know, um, I forget the other generations, but you, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean yeah. He's been with us since we were kids, essentially, right? I mm-hmm. mean, when you think about it, uh, you know, he's also another one that you could you could probably, who knows, perhaps AEW. I mean, there's a lot of these things, right? All these releases you see immediately people who will come out they'll come out and they'll say hey i can see this person here i can see this person there you know the rea- the reality of it is um if anything is, is being done we'll hear about it after july um but you know the entire industry it's going to be a slow it's going to be a slow you know build up to, to to where we were just a few months ago 
um, you know, to get to get all that happening, it's going to take some time. Um, you know, we're certainly in an interesting time right now. Well, do, do you have any insight as to as we're talking about the strategic planning and looking towards the future? when they are able to return to the arenas are, is there any talks about maybe restructuring the model in which they operate the live events? And right now you, they run the red and the blue and you have NXT running shows. So at any given time, and you're looking eight, nine, 10 shows in a week, it seems we've lost a lot of those essential talents for those live events. Uh, could we see them condensing just down to NXT having, you know, it's weekend kind of style shows and then the regular tour for just a red and blue uh, is if they do return to the the formula that we have become accustomed to. Do you see them trying to rehire a lot of these talents? Obviously, they're going to ask them to come back at a severe cut. We're not going to see the great boom of contracts like we saw in the last go around. Or, or possibly is this a time where they do reach out? to those up and coming indie stars and try to get them into the system uh, and introduce the, maybe that you were talking about the, the generations, the next generation, if you will. Well, um, at the top of the year, actually a little, little further back, um, the, the changes, we could kind of thank AEW for a lot of these things in terms of, you know, they don't have house shows, at least right now, uh, that the intent was to always have house shows, maybe have, they went from 52 shows a year, you know, with the, with the live TV tapings to maybe doubling that, you know, as per Tony Khan, you know, a couple of interviews and things like that. Uh, with WWE, you know, they found that, you know, the house show model just, it, it became a burden. There, there was, I mean, you could see all these, you know, various pictures online of empty arenas, you know, or close to empty arenas and things of that nature. Yeah, you, you're, you're probably going to see what you're what I've heard is that you're going to wind up seeing maybe a brand split, not, not a brand split, but, um, you know, basically becoming one again. And you may have shows, you know, just running on, on weekends. Um, not sure if we're going to have anything, you know, during the, the week anymore. Uh, while there's some income that could be made, there's some bits of revenue. Uh, I, I think that they're going to cut their losses and it's going to be more of, you know, having what you would call super shows, super super shows over the weekend, uh, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Joe, anything else uh, that you had that you wanted to get, uh, get the Will, get his insight on kind of regarding all things WWE here? The other one that stands out just non-release-wise and something actually during uh, kind of a bit of a break here, I was talking to Rick about uh, off-air, and we're talking about money in the bank. Now, the premise of this match, I wanted to kind of get your take on because I'm still trying to wrap my head around it and I can't. So the the idea here is that the this match is going to take place inside the, the, the headquarters building and then the, the briefcase is going to be on the roof of the building. Am I, did I hear that right? You heard it right. Oh, yep, boy. it's a it's a one of its kind. Um, yeah, there's been news going around about them. Uh, I think we reported back on the first of April that there were some rumblings about them, you know, recording off-site, probably going to con- uh, to Connecticut of all places, you know, to 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 the headquarters. Uh, there have been some long-term plans about, you know, one of the long-term plans was uh, with this new corporate building that they were looking to, um, you know, construct. Uh, was to have, I believe, up to a 500-seat uh, studio, you know, kind of similar to, to what we see in NWA. Um, and, you know, 
the purpose of that was, who, who knows, but, um, you know, this will certainly be a, a good time for it. So it's still going to happen, and we're going to see that money in the bank. It's the, the corporate the, the corporate ladder or something like that is what they're, what they're uh, yeah, what climbing they're the corporate ladder. Climbing the corporate ladder. So, yeah, it'll, it'll begin from, I, I guess, the, the ground floor of, of the building, and you have to work your way up all the way to the uh, – to the roof of the building, what the ladder is, and um, and grab that that briefcase. Um, my understanding is, and I don't know this, you know, 100%, but it, it, it sounds to me like it's gonna be it's gonna be filmed, uh, you know, kind of a cinematic type of thing, um, maybe close to that, something of the uh, NXT kind with uh, Gargano and uh, and Champa, uh, just because you're talking several flight stuff. You know, and and there's going to be a lot of different types of ways to kind of film this. So we'll see what happens. Um, nothing's really set in stone, other than uh, you know they're beginning with the set. They have they already have the ring on the roof already. There's a couple of pictures that leaked online with the actual ring on top, hmm. and I think there's a crane that 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 that's over the uh, the roof itself. I I, I want to say that that's exactly uh, where the actual briefcase will be held. Yeah, um, right on top of the ladder. So it's gonna be pretty interesting. I, I will say that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I want WWE Studios to just give me a three-hour remake of Die Hard. That's right. what I want inside. But I want windows being blown yeah. out the side. Uh, give me I, I, whoever the hell is in this damn match right now. I want one of well, Kofi Kingston on on the crane swinging out with hey. a wrecking ball back into the building to to grab the case whatever it might be at least we won't have well, a Shane, at least we won't have Shane McMahon here cuz he'd want to do some spot jumping off the roof of the building so you know, they don't have to logistically try and plan that out give it to me <laughs> we'll know who's in the next wave of releases by who is killed off by them getting thrown off the top wow. of the Titan Towers there yeah uh, at, at money in the bank well, I, I don't know if it's, you know, it's it's got to be my, my hitting the marks roots and instilled with me and Jargo that we just, we're just not going to talk about North American wrestling. Let's go a, a little south of the border. Uh, it, Mexico, uh, they're feeling, they're feeling the pressure from this COVID-19. A little bit of tragedy coming from the land of Lucha Libre as well. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, earlier in the week, we, um, we had a report that uh, super, Super Luchas came out with the original report about um, a wrestler by the name of Black Demon. He was born in Mexicali, Baja, California, but he was based out in uh, uh, San Luis, Rio, Colorado, Sonora, that's uh, in Mexico. Uh, he started his career as a professional wrestler in 2009. So, gosh, only you know 11 years, just about, just going on his 11th year, and poor guy, he, he contracted the... Uh, the virus, the COVID-19, and, um, you know, in a matter of, of short time, um, he wound up being the victim of it and documented as the first wrestler in the industry to catch the virus and, and die from it. Um, you know, my understanding is if, if, if you've seen some pictures of him, um, you know, good wrestler, but probably not in the best of shape. I mean, he was wrestling more in the, in the Indian circuit down in, in Mexico. Um, and as we, as from the things that we know from COVID-19, it's one of those things where uh, we've heard if, if you're, you know, physically, like really physically, we were talking like, I don't know, maybe like a Brock Lesnar type of person, or like, you know, someone who's, who's just always working out on a daily basis and just really has that going on that you, you, you may not get as affected. You'll, if you get it, um, 
it might not hurt as it might not be as effective but we don't know the the point is is that you know he died from it and 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 that's it you know maybe was, he, rest was he currently was he currently on tour was he working shows or was he at home at this time uh, like you said he, he was he was born in the united states correct that's correct yeah okay well so was he here in the states at that time or was he south of the border working shows I mean, is there is there any news i guess really around when the where the how not really um what they what they what they basically reported was that he he, he contracted the the virus um it was down in in, in mexico and um you know he was working a couple shows but it was really, really no sign. It, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you know, one minute he was all right, and then you know, the next minute he got a little sick. Just the, the, the usual symptoms that we've heard of in reports. And um, before we knew it, it, he wound up, you know, getting hospitalized, you know, for, for several days. And unfortunately, he, he didn't make it. Wow, there's some uh, tragic news there is, you know, at the, at the big top of the show here. Uh, we send all our condolences and, and positive vibes to the friends and family of one Howard Finkel to Fink. Uh, also like to extend those same positive vibes, thoughts, prayers, everything to, to the family here uh, in any walk of life to, to hear of a passing at the hands of this terrible, terrible virus uh, is a tragedy and, again, heartbreaking. Uh, Big Will, or is what we dubbed you around here now, Scoop Salacia. Uh, can you let everybody know where they can keep up with you? Uh, where they, where they should be logging on to for the latest news they can use from you? Obviously, uh, the hottest spot to go is on Facebook and the Hami Media Discussion Group. But where else? Oh, you can catch us on Twitter. My handle is at wa three four two 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 wa. You can catch me on Instagram. Just um, so uh, just William Ailey say on Instagram, um, of course, Facebook, you can always catch me on Facebook on the Hanmi Media Discussion Group. Uh, it's just my name, William Ailey Sea. Uh, that's really it. Well, again, uh, Will, thank you, sir. We'll look forward to having you on here in, a, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully, as we get closer or on that back end of, of Money and Bank and we start looking towards SummerSlam, you'll have all those scoops for us here. Uh, but right now, Big Joe, why don't you kick it on over to our friends. The War on Morons podcast. Yes. Hear my words, infidels. I've greenlit my latest cell, and it's the War on Morons podcast. That's right, the world's full of morons, but I've sent Jay and Anissa to declare war on them. From the stupid criminals to those Florida man stories you love, and the other idiots of Hollywood and D.C., these new Hameen soldiers speak the truth, the stupidity in a fun and comical manner. Each week, these two will be bringing on friends and all these crazy characters to give you the punk rock comedy news show you didn't even know that you needed. But you have it now that you're under quarantine. You will listen, infidels. And that's right, there's a bit of uncertainty every week from the live hotline so you never know who's going to call into the show. <laughs> so plant your flag in the sand, grab your friends and suit up, because the War on Morons has commenced, infidels. Visit them now and subscribe at thewaronmorons.podbean.com. YOLO! <laughs>
Well, that was a, uh, a word from our good friends over at the War on Morons. But Big Joe, we got to talk about another freaking moron. Not just a moron. Not just a marktard. But yes, for the first time ever, we are going to crown royalty. Royalty. Yeah. The queen of the marktards. Rhonda freaking Rousey. Uh, Big Joe, she's she's back in the pro wrestling news. She's yep. making the circles. I, I guess I don't know circles, mm. the social media circles. She's she's causing a stir, creating a ruckus, if you will. And ultimately, you know, uh, there was an overreaction. I believe to everything. This this in inside of itself. This is what what Ronda and and so many others. It seems these modern day stars, this current trend inside of professional wrestling, is to use social media platforms, especially the, the Twitter machine, to try to generate this heat on themselves in the hopes that this will, I don't know, transcend that platform, wake its way to television, into the, the arenas, into our living rooms. Uh, but Rhonda, she's some of the, the big talking points. She's got a number of it just be a post of videos that she's, that she has shared. Yeah. Uh, but the main points here she's hitting on is, is calling the fans ungrateful. In hmm. uh, the point, you know, that, she loved working for WWE. It was uh, an exciting adventure for her in a, a once in a lifetime opportunity. But at the end of the day, traveling on the road and, and was it really worth it to be taken away from the precious time with her family, those who truly love and support her? Was it truly worth all that to go out there and try to under to entertain the, these ungrateful neckbeards, these bastards, the WWE universe? Uh, she goes into, uh, of course, the same old song and dance from Rhonda because she thinks this is how she has to generate heat. She's out there dropping the F-bomb. Yes, the no-no word. That dirty yep. F-word inside of professional wrestling. Fake. And oh, she's throw, that's not throwing, what I was that, throwing that around left and right here. And then when you know the, the fans take a little bit of an issue with this, and, and she probably thinks she's hit a home run here. She's getting <laughs> some heat built up under her ass. You know, she, she's throwing out some words of wisdom and advice to you know, don't work yourself into a shoot. <laughs> you know, the only thing here, Rhonda, that, that I'm taking away from this, because you know, I see clearly through this, this smoke show of yours, right. you're not really fooling anybody here. Again, this is the same song and dance. And all you've really managed to do here, Rhonda, is expose yourself for the very definition of a marktard, someone that doesn't get it. Who cannot back it up? That is you, Rhonda. And, and where you sit, your stardom, your your the, the powers that be, how much they have pumped you up. Yes, Rhonda, that has now dubbed you the queen of the Mark Tarts. I agree hundred percent on that. I mean, just this is another thing in in the this the the span of this last week here that once this hit, I mean, everybody started losing their minds on this. So is this a work or is this a shoot? You know, for those maybe listening to the first time learning what a work and a shoot is, I don't. I guess maybe we should kind of explain that. I guess uh, a work is something that is done for the purposes of entertainment and the shoot is something that's reality. It's actually happened. And this is kind of blurring the lines between this, but you know, 
record the whole th- this whole thing with Ronda Rousey, and this is similar with the Shayna Baszler thing, but on a kind of a different level here. I, I get the appeal uh, of, of pushing Ronda at WrestleMania to help the women main event WrestleMania. I get all that. I understand that that, that, that that's fine. With me, it's always been about. The in-ring work. You know me, Rick, and everybody listening. I'm a traditionalist. I like the people that put in the time uh, to actually become a good professional wrestler. And I just I feel like this happened a little too soon. But I get it. They had her. They wanted to use her. But just um, in this cool crossover appeal, and I and I keep harping on this with her and with, with Shayna, is that she wasn't that great in MMA. She once she got her ass handed to her, she bowed out. She cried like a little bitch and she left. And before that, her opponents were not at the same skill level as her and the person that actually ended up knocking her off of the mountain and then had to cower and then come over to uh, do something else. Ronda wasn't that big of a deal that everybody keeps putting it over. Oh, she was this big, huge UFC MMA star. Yeah, she, she was, but there was nobody to compete with her. And then when there was somebody, she was done. That's what it comes down to for Ronda Rousey. What you lay out there, Joe. And and I think, you know, that, the perception you have of Rhonda, they should be able to see that with inside their bubble, inside yeah. of that PR, that creative, that creative machine that they've got, everything that's happening there. They need to realize that inside stuff and use that, use that as a strength, use that as in your booking and your marketing. You're going to rely on that to kind of fire up and rally the WWE units to oppose her and, and more so rally them behind that that figure that competitor that's going to stand up to her uh, and this is where they're this is where they're greatly missing out on this thing for those that were really confused by ronda's remarks and okay it you know initially yes i mean you kind of go off the handle there uh, there's been people that have been in this business for decades you know listening to jim Cornette. i mean he and like so many other things, I mean, you've got professional wrestling, Corny's mm-hmm. going to come at you. Yeah. Uh, but across the board, some people that were kind of just, that were taking this hook, you know, sinking their teeth into this bait, this is nothing new. This is the same act, same song and dance from when she turned heel heading into WrestleMania. Yep. She feels with inside of her and she goes to social media prior to WrestleMania in the same fashion. And I don't believe there is nobody policing this. There's no one managing this from HQ. Uh, if they would, they would have been all over the piss poor presentation in direction and not yeah. generating true heat, not doing anything to to cement Rhonda as a pure wrestling villain and more so not positioning anyone that's opposing her as the ultimate hero in this thing. Yeah. No, what they've done is it's exposing professional wrestling. You are conjuring up the, these this these visions this insight of yes and the obvious yes professional wrestling is a predetermined exhibition mm-hmm. exhibition entertainment exhibition when you use those terms like that and uh, you when you don't want to say this is unreal i can't believe this those are no-nos yeah. you, you don't do that because you're painting a, a subtle image in an individual's head that oh yeah i this is, I'm not supposed to buy into this. I'm not going, that's supposed, you know, there's been my disbelief on what's going on here. What she should have been in how she, how she approaches this thing and, and what she puts out there to the masses instead of, oh, it's fake. You know, I'm the real fighter. What? Yeah, sure. You're on the road 300 days. Could you imagine what it'd be like to be in a fight 300 days? 
No, Rhonda. What you should have done is said, you know what? Why would I go out there, go to every arena, 200 days a year, whatever, whatever she threw out there, whatever it might be, 200 days a year for you ungrateful peasants? That, that's fine in that light. You know what I could be doing? I could be relaxing in my own gym with my personal staff and going home to my family every night and getting a bigger payday for one marquee match on a record-breaking pay-per-view than any other woman in that locker room. Yep. That puts her now she now now we recognize she is an outsider. She does come from MMA. It is a different world. She's putting that different spotlight out there, but now she's that true snob where again what she the heat she thinks she's generating by calling it fake, she is doubling that because she's still an outside snobby bastard. And you could play off of the of that final devastating loss in UFC as well, and just have her with this attitude. No, I'm here to to prove everybody wrong. No, I'm not the one that that lost the one fight and went out. You could you really capitalize on that angle as well. You don't have her mention that at all. In her mind, that was a fluke. That that should be erased. You could do that too. From her, she, in her mind, she no sells that thing. But if you're if you're that person who's going to oppose her, if you're a Becky Lynch, someone that we actually want to rally behind. You know, if any of them, if you're a bliss, whoever that might be, you're using that. This is the same. This has been Rhonda. This is her M.O. from day one. She's all about her. Look at it. You know, everything was great. She was there for the fans when she was riding high, when there wasn't that all that competition. But here comes Holly Holmes. And things got a little too real for her. And it wasn't going her way. And she took her ball and she went home. Look what happened at WrestleMania last year. She was she was ousted by Becky. She was outdone by Charlotte. And what happened? You didn't even see her show up the next night. She nope. took her ball and she went home. This is just what Ronda... And that's how you generate some heat here. So yep. what do they do on the other side of this? You have Nia Jax. Now she, <laughs> she is going to be flag bear she is the the knight in shining armor i mean if we're looking at somebody that is more despised inside of the wwe universe inside of that women's division than ronda rousey right now for being the outsider it's nia Jax. yeah there has been no one clamoring for the return of nia Jax, and now ultimately now they're trying to to skyrocket her, or she's taking it upon herself thinking she's going to position herself to be that that figure to step up to ronda now, I will give them credit in a sense if if you are Naya, if she is trying to generate that interest and say, hey, you know, I'll I'll get into this role. I'll, I'll stand up here. You are looking for somebody that's, that is going to appear formidable for Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. And, and Naya does present that. I mean, when we're talking about, you know, someone that was once proclaimed the baddest woman on the planet, yeah. there is a little bit of that disconnect if you run out there, you know, the beautiful Alexa Bliss, who is all of about 120 pounds <laughs> soaking wet, yep. and who is tremendous in the ring and has tremendous persona and presence about her, and the, and the crowds absolutely love her. But when you get that visual, when you do want us to buy into a program between those two, I get the point that, that Naya is, especially to a general audience that you're showing this to, if you're going to take this to FS1, to ESPN, whatever it is, visually, Naya has more of that appeal. But knowing her background, her work ethic, there, there's not really a whole lot of you know, legs to run with this damn thing. No. 
But even if you're going to go that route, it shouldn't be now that Nia standing up to represent the whole locker room and everyone should rally behind her. She should organically, you know, push that movement by taking that approach that we're talking about, by pointing out the flaws inside of Ronda Rousey and, and taking that approach instead of going back in this in this game of grab ass over <laughs> the, the F bomb. And, and how real things are going to get. Because ultimately, okay, that's fine there. It, you think you're getting some interest. And I hear people, oh, man, they're talking about being real. This is this is personal. This is intense. No. No, no you're, you're missing the entire point. You're, you're doing more damage to the business than good, than any good whatsoever. Because now even when you get into, well, this is real. That's great. Okay, now now why should I care when, when Sasha and Bailey go at it at SummerSlam? Because, because that's because in comparison, that's not going to be real to what I've got going on over here with, with Naya and Rhonda. Right. You're, you're, you're harming the rest of the card here and you shouldn't do that. And then, uh, you know, again, on this thing, she always, she always leads in with the, well, I, I have, I've got the respect for all the girls and I love all of them. I love working with them. But I don't like going out there and doing this fake stuff for the fans. <laughs> Again, you're, you're shitting on their craft, on their profession. Yeah. You're not attacking the fan base. You're not generating true heat here. You are a fucking mark. Beyond that, a queen of the fucking mark tards. Yes. So thank you for nothing, Ronda Rousey. All hail the fucking queen. Could have said it better myself, Rick. But Joe, I guess on that one, man, <laughs> I'm all hot. We're running out of time. Yes, we are. Get in, get in your plugs, and I'll and I'll throw up the X and get us out of here. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, outside of doing the hot tag wrestle cast with you, Rick, I am one half of Canada's best pro wrestling podcast, Turnbuckle Talk. Where, I mean, I have the pleasure of sitting down and talking every week to a fellow wrestling fan and a brother that I've known for the better part of thirty years. So you see. Really interesting take with us. We have myself, who has been a fan for the better part of those 30 years, and as well as Carl, who has done the same and who has actually worked in the ring as well. So we get that perspective from somebody that's worked in the business as well. And for listening to to this podcast and even for Turnbuckle Talk, you can find us at thegorillaposition.com. Where outside of podcasts, I mean, we have Ryan K. Bohm, uh, Mr. Michael Malcor, Jim Phillips. I mean, just numerous people there uh, doing fantastic work as always, as well as last word on ProWrestling.com and IndiePW.com. We're all over the place and we can be heard, of course, on Podbean with the Hamid Media Group and Anchor.fm as well. And that also goes over to Spotify for you people as well. So people like to listen to podcasts on Spotify, you can catch us there as well. Well, thank you, Joe. Uh, speaking of social media, you know, last week with the debut episode, you laid out all the great platforms you can catch the show. We had some tremendous numbers. I was very, felt very humbled and appreciative of everybody that, that took the time to listen to us. Uh, our social media numbers were incredible coming out of the gate that first week. So you make sure you keep up with everything going on with us here at the Hot Tag WrestleCast. Of course, just do for that search for us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're, we're trying to get new content out every day to, to keep you moving, keep you interested. Uh, for me personally, though, you can keep up with Richard Brownson Victory across all social media platforms at the Real RBV. 
Big Joe, just like Ronda Rousey taking a loss, we're out of here. I see clearly now, this world is cloudy, I get shrouded like Ronnie Piper and Captain Howdy. Read about me, I'm not like them other guys, the cats and caterpillars, I'm butterfly. I see clearly now, this world is cloudy, I get shrouded like Roddy Piper and Captain Howdy. Read about me, I'm not like them other guys, them cats are caterpillars, I'm butterfly. Dance like a butterfly, sting like a jellyfish, another smelly-ish, pardon the embellishment, I'm Bart Simpson, my pet elephant is more intelligent than your elegant rhetoric. You sleepy-eyed, arrogant characters never forget or never remember, sunbathe inside the surrogate weather, the fairest guarantee never compares to Pharisee letters, I'll spare them the care package prepared bare minimum these beats were made in america i blow hot air into them loose accused that you know move through fluid fuses no bruises it's proven and tested by doctors invested by the union so here's my offer i see clearly now this world is cloudy i get rowdy like ronnie piper and captain howdy read about me i'm not like them other guys them cats are caterpillars i'm butterfly i see clearly now this world is cloudy i get rowdy like roddy piper and captain howdy read about me i'm not like them other guys them cats are caterpillars i'm butterfly the kids no longer play with their speaking spells the kids no longer need to know how to spell the kids are snorting E and having orgies. I'm old and boring. Just found out that my true love abhors me. Say more stories than the Canadian army. More true stories than talking heads or tall buildings. Under a spell of modernity, burning us all with their feet against caviar. They live invisibly written on every billboard and wall, all in all. Am I Homer Simpson sleeping at nuclear power plants while toxic sludge covers every inch of our devastated land? Not sure about that. Our species looked up to false prophets like mountains staring at the sky. But if we smash like inevitable avalanches, I'll stay fly. As thinkable planets watching the unforgivable antics of batches, political savages strangling the masses to death. What the fuck you got left? Right and left, it's a reactionary mess. So I left, probably for the best. I see clearly now, this world is cloudy, I get rowdy, like Roddy Piper and Captain Howdy, read about me, I'm not like them other guys, them cats are caterpillars, I'm butterfly, I see clearly now, this world is cloudy, I get rowdy, like Roddy Piper and Captain Howdy, read about me, I'm not like them other guys, them cats are caterpillars, I'm butterfly. I'm not